Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial pursuit, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs all around the globe seeking to do the same thing you are. If you want to know more about this program or this podcast or want to get barraged by a lot of annoying pop-ups, check out our website, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. In so a couple weeks into our weekly podcast schedule, and we're already digging into the archives. What is your excuse? What have you been busy with? I've been cutting deals, man. That's what I've been busy with. <laughs> I just got back. I just got back from Washington, D.C., back here in San Diego. So I've been cutting some deals, been meeting with our crew here, and uh, back on the horse. One of the things we talk about, and this is one of my favorite episodes of all time. We talk about visualizing your target revenue. Things have changed just a bit from, for us since we recorded this episode. How is visualization playing a role right now and when you're cutting these deals and when you're looking at the monthly uh, numbers and stuff? Well, I'll give you two examples. Um, when I had to go to D.C. this week, I had to speak in front of a large audience. and I don't do that often, but it's definitely something that I'm starting to get more and more into. and It's something that I really see myself or visualize myself doing in the future. Something I really like to do, but it's not something that comes naturally. You see guys that get up in front of uh, a few hundred people and you think, wow, they must be nervous, but um, wow, they must be practiced. Um, And so I did some visualization um, before I went and spoke to these people and kind of imagined myself in front of the group and recited what I had to say probably about 10 times. Uh, So that's one way that I've used visualization techniques in the last week. I've also recently started to visualize new target revenues, target monthly revenues. So we've uh, almost hit the $100,000 month revenue goal that we set uh, quite a long time ago. Or I should say we basically hit it this month. And so now I'm starting to visualize new numbers. And so I think that's going to help propel us to those numbers pretty soon here. That's really exciting stuff. I'm here in Bali, and the big thing that's happening on my end is that we've decided together to put our outsource to the philippines.com blog and podcast onto the market. So this is an interesting exercise in us trying to market and sell a blog-based business and sort of see what that process is like. And again, you sort of have to do some visualization there too. This isn't a cash flow business, so how do you visualize what this property is worth and what it could be worth to others and and how to present that to people and share your vision with your potential buyers. So that's something that I'm working on right now. And of course, anybody that's interested, that's listening, interested in in taking a look at how I'm doing that, just get in touch with me personally. One final thing, this is one of our favorite episodes of all time, so we hope that you enjoy it. Uh, Of course, our first 50 episodes are on sale. The proceeds of those sales go to the editing of this program. So... Yeah, buddy, thanks for joining us here on the Lifestyle Business Podcast. What do you say we get rolling with some classic tracks, Ian? Booyah! Hey, everybody, welcome to the Lifestyle Business Podcast, where we believe starting a profitable business is the best way to achieve the lifestyle that you desire. How are you doing, Ian? Doing great, Dan. What's going on over there in the Philippines? 
in the Philippines, it's hot, man. Everybody's talking about how hot it is. I'm sweating. I'm feeling dizzy. I thought I was feeling dizzy because you're yelling at me every day about all the stuff. I'm not getting done, <laughs> but it, it turns out it's just really hot. I heard a rumor that you are sitting in our brand new office. Tell me the story of, real quick, why did you get an office? What's going on there? What's the vibe like? And what kinds of things you know, do you have to think about if you're going to get an office like that? And Anyway, why did you get another office when you already had an office? Are you just greedy or what? Uh, that's just how we roll. No, no, it's totally not greedy. Let me tell you about our office. Our office is situated in such a way that we have an awesome view of the airport, and we also have an awesome view of the bay. Uh, is a shared space with another company, and we're doing it startup style over here, baby. We all plunk down in, in one room, and uh, we're banging it out together. And uh, yeah, that's how we roll. Um, it's a mile and a half from my house. First of all, let me tell you, you already know about what my commute used to be um, because you used to do the same commute, 45 miles each way to the office. <laughs> so it was time to move uh, closer to home. You know, I was burning, I was burning an 8 to 10 hour day just driving in the car. So it was time to move. And no, it's not expensive. Uh, I'm not spending all of your money. We're talking about lifestyle considerations, basically, here. I mean, how do you think it's going to improve the lifestyle and the personal freedom of everybody that's working for our company? Um, it's really impacted everybody. I think, you know, one of our guys was doing basically the same commute, loves living by the beach, didn't want to live up north. Um, and, uh, you know, we're all in a room together, so I'm really happy about that because we're going to be able to bang it up startup style. And I, I love working that way. I love working, you know face-to-face, desk-to-desk, you know, just hammering out problems. So really excited about that. And yeah, it was a total lifestyle decision. I mean, you know, I can ride my bike to work now, and that's that's what matters to me at this at this time in my life. I mean, before it was, um, it was a little different, you know. I, I sacrificed, did what we had to until we had a little bit of cash, and we can, uh, we could spend it on this office. So now we're, uh, we're living the good life, and it's not that expensive. Hey, a couple things I wanted to mention: some, um, some th- quick things around the internet uh, that I, that I've been looking at, and a quick tip uh, before we get into the core section. So, uh, one thing is, oh, Chris at uh, my egg noodles actually said that he disagree- disagrees with some of our points which actually got me kind of excited because I realize one of the things I realize is how much of an idiot I am at least. So, you know, I'm assuming I'm making a lot of mistakes here. And if people can correct me, that's going to help me learn. Part of the reason I'm excited about the live format actually is because if I say something whack about WordPress, someone can give me that feedback. And we've gotten some great feedback from some guys who are really sharp that listen to the show and say, whoa, whoa, you know, your ideas are a little off about this or your guys SEO sucks because of this. And, and one of the things, Chris from My Egg Noodles, that's a great blog. I definitely recommend it. He mentioned that uh, it's very common now for people, especially uh, in WordPress, it's very simple to set up your permalink or your URL structure so that there's key terms in the title. And you right. can do that by, by setting up your, your permalink settings in, in your WordPress backend. And, uh, for example, you could do slash ampersand, or not ampersand, percentage, postname, percentage slash and that's going to automatically pull your post name into your url structure and that's good for seo well one of the things chris noted to me and he linked to an article to seo uh, land which we'll link to in this podcast show notes 
um, that basically said you can't have like a huge proliferation of key terms. You, you want to keep it to a targeted few. And so that means when you, for a lot of people listening to this are WordPress users, so excuse me if you're not, but you can, basically what you want to do is you want to shorten up the amount of key terms that your final URL is to just the most important ones. And what Chris had noted on our podcast, which obviously gets very little development attention um, up until this point, our URL structure was super long, thus kind of watering down the impact that a more targeted URL structure could have. So thank you, Chris, at my Egg Noodles, uh, supporter of the show and great blogger. Another thing I wanted to mention is that our Tropical MBA recruitment program was mentioned on the ribbonfarm.com blog. And that's Very exciting awesome. to me. Very awesome. Story. That's exciting to me because I uh, I think that ribbonfarm.com was hands down the best business blog of the year last year. It's just my he, he's an innovative, exciting I would say a thrilling thinker. Works for Xerox, like super bright dude, and uh, just just getting mentioned on his blog was uh, was exciting. So uh, anybody who wants to hear great thoughts about organizational theory. Um, definitely check out ribbonfarm.com. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about visualizing revenues. And that's something that uh, actually Chris from At My Egg Noodles brought up on his blog. He has a goal to become a millionaire. By 30, by the time, right? By the time he's 30, which I think is, is, a, is a great goal. And so the way that he's visualizing this is that you know, in order generally, companies. By the way, are Chris, worth... I, I read your blog. You can't even friend me on uh, on. <laughs> Jeez. At anything, Ian? Yeah. Yeah. You've, you've, that's it. You're following Chris, right? I think so. I'm gonna have to check on that, but Jeez. he'll probably call you, me you, on that. But you're awful social media guy, man. You're just so old school over there. You just I, s- you I send a... out postcards. You have a rotary phone, like plugged up to a microphone, which is plugged into your assistant's computer right now, right? <laughs> I, You're just I don't so even have a mouse. I don't even have a cord on my mouse. I don't know how you could accuse me of being old school. Unbelievable! By the way, this show is live right now, right? We're recording 10 a.m. Manila time. It's 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We've got a phone number, which we're going to start to put at the beginning of the show and on the website. If you want to ask questions for the show, just give us a little dialy dialy. But let me get back to this thing. So he's basically saying. He's got a million-dollar company on his hands. If he can drive 333 grand to the bottom line in a year, and the reason for that is the rule of thumb for company valuation is three times your bottom line, essentially. As long as Earnings. you can actually sell it, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, assuming it's a saleable company, we were talking. We we're hoping our company could potentially be worth more than a three-time multiple because of its growth rate. You know, so if you can. You know, obviously, this is just a rule of thumb. There's a lot of exceptions to this. I mean, Twitter is a great exception. Uh, their their EBITDA is like negative, uh, but their obviously their valuation is much higher. So in a startup scenario, it's different. But um, also, one thing I've noticed, Ian, is that in the internet space, things are much more volatile. So some internet companies can be worth much less than three times their EBITDA because you know. I think I think that does make sense too because uh, you know we were just looking at for example plugin ID the personal development blog which is pretty yeah. famous is for sale right now and uh, the seller noted that he would be willing to take you know essentially eleven times essentially he was talking about one time EBITDA so a one multiple yeah and I think that makes sense because you can just get sideswiped on the internet you know something happens you uh, you cross Google the wrong way and you know that's like 60% of your traffic and all of a sudden your earnings plummet and 
you know, it can go down like that. The three times thing is something that's a rule of thumb for us, though. And I think I just want to tell a quick story about how visualizing revenues can really work. Because we do the the same exercise like every day that Chris did on his post. And so maybe we should uh, share exactly what we do every day with our calculator. (laughs) Is that what you're going to share? Well, that's one of the things uh, I'm going to bring up. I mean, when I... It's so important, and all the great, a lot of the great entrepreneurs that I've met, they do this. They have, they think of these numbers that are just like so far outside of almost believability for anyone in the room with them that they start to manifest in the most uncanny ways. And when you have that number lodged in your head, you carry yourself differently. Because you know, like, look, if I've got X number in my head, I can't act like a guy who's making Y. I've got to act like a guy who's making X. And I'm not talking about spending. I'm talking about selling. And uh, you have to start thinking of like, well, you know, this product line isn't going to get me there. Or this brand isn't going to get me there. Or this kind of work or this kind of staff. I mean, essentially, we use this justification to hire uh, our, our designer. Because he said, look, there's no way that we can reach our goals this year if we don't have a, a full-time designer on staff. When I first met Sean Ogle... I remember we were sitting over a bowl of soup in Bangkok. He said, so, okay, so he's, I think he was, like, pretty amazed that we're just gushing our numbers. But we're, we're numbers guys. We, we, by the way, we plant this number in every employee's head. We, we're not shy about our revenue. We announce it to everybody every four weeks, and we let everyone know. Our conference call is coming up in 20 minutes. Everybody knows that number. Everybody goes to bed at night thinking about that number. They wake up in the morning hearing it from us. I even send order emails that come through our e-commerce outlets to various employees saying, now think about this times five. Think about what that feels like. Think about our ad programs. Think about our copywriting. Think about everything in terms of this goal, this number. I'm sitting there over the soup with Sean, and he, he's like, all right, so you guys are doing X. And I'm like, but here's the thing. By December, I want our turnover to be this. I remember the look on his face was like, he thought I was crazy, and he like immediately <laughs> launched in because he saw this opportunity to like, you know, I gotta shake this guy down. Like he's like, clearly crazy. He's like, how are you gonna get there? And I start going off about like vague. I, I basically start giving him a million different vague opportunities. I'm like, well, Ian's talking to this guy, and I'm putting up this thing, and like I think this could work out. And I basically listed off like twelve different ways to get there, but you know, nothing that was fleshed out at all. And he's yeah, looking here's, at like, here's the thing is that we ha- we actually had 25 things that we were working on probably at the time. Yeah, and it, I think what he saw was what was actually producing revenue for us at that point, and it was clear to everybody that that wasn't going to get us there. So we had to like get moving quick. But you know that's what we were focused on because we had that number in our in our heads. And you know one of the things that's that's really interesting that's happening is that that number is starting to manifest. Um, here we are. What is it? It's, it's, it's April, right? Uh, I was talking when it's over. Yeah. It's mid April right now. You know, this conversation with Sean over soup happened in January. And I think I was talking about basically like a 300% growth in our turnover by, by December. And well, we're over 150% the way there already. Yeah. Uh, so, and it's April. Yeah. And, uh, you know, even me and you have arguments about this. I call you up and I'm like, man, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so beat up. I just want to quit. I just want to, ah, like the, the, the beach hut is only like two hour plane ride away and I'm just going to sit there 
and just do mango shakes for like four weeks. <laughs> I and love mango shakes, by the way. Those are my, by like, far my favorite shake to drink. <laughs> and you're like, no way, man. You know, this is working. We're getting there. And you're right. When you've got these numbers in your mind, we're seeing this stuff manifest, and it's amazing. It's, it's amazing. Well, here, here's, some of the, here's some of the ways, the practical ways that we make it happen. Um, you know, two points right off the top of my head. One is I always make myself feel like I'm behind the ball on the revenue. You know what I mean? Okay. I never, I never sit back and think, "Wow, that was a good month." I think, "Well, that could have been better." I always, uh, I always make myself feel like I'm behind the ball on revenue, which is, you know, probably bad for my health in general. We always, always, always visualize monthly revenue targets. Um, we set revenue targets too. So, on the spreadsheet at the end of the month, if we didn't hit our target, which was our projected number, it's red, you know. And then we're behind for the year. So everybody knows that. And also, I mean, it's like the last week of the month is a critical one. And I even, I'm even on the phone with our sales rep saying, "Why aren't we pushing this AR into this month?" You know what I mean? Like, I never am at the point where, like, like you said, okay, we beat the target by, say, we beat the target by, you know a great by 25%. And then our our employees are are saying, well, you know, we don't really need to push this sale into that month. And I'm thinking, no, no, no. <laughs> we do, right? You know, you don't want to give your let yourself have an AR head start on the next month. Uh for me it's always about pushing as much revenue as much paper into the current month because that gives you a, a more opportunity to take it to the next level the next month in my mind. I, I think you're right. When we visualize numbers too, one of our favorite things to do is to sit around with calculators. I mean, I have like three with me at all times, right? I got one on my phone, one on my laptop, one on my desk or whatever. So I'm always punching numbers. So I'm thinking, well, if we sell X amount of units for X amount of dollars, where's that going to put us? And then I think, well, who are we actually going to sell that to? Well, I'm talking to this guy about this and this and this. I mean, we are always punching numbers on the calculator, trying to figure out how we're going to get to those revenue numbers. Absolutely. And, you know, they say, you know, what's in your mind is what you're focused on. Today, I got some really crappy emails from some really crappy people about some really crappy deals, you know? I just deleted them. And I'm here with you talking about our revenue goal for this month. And I think that's important. And I know that, especially when you work for somebody else, it's easy to get caught up in that stuff. And it's really important that you put those things in your mind. Like, you know, Ian and I aren't just going for these revenue goals because they're just mindless growth. I mean, we've got real lifestyle goals attached to these numbers and so do our employees. I mean, we want big things for our company and for our lives. And those things right now correspond for levels of revenue in our company. And so I'm not going to worry about that crappy email today, Ian. I'm going to, I'm going to be thinking about what we can do to get to these numbers and to really enjoy our lifestyle goals. Like, for example, I'm going on a yachting trip at the end of the month. <laughs> I'm excited nice. about that. How's that for lifestyle design? Well, that's the thing. I, I really like your point there um, that you just kind of grazed over. And that's, that's, a, that's a big one is that these revenue goals and numbers aren't tied to nothing. They're tied to why, you know, yeah. why do we, why do we want to make, you know, X amount of dollars in December or this year or whatever. And, and we have legitimate reasons for that. Not all of them are business reasons. And I think that that's what makes it a little bit different than, than a traditional business. For me, they're almost 100% lifestyle reasons. I mean, I want to, as a lifestyle concern, I want to be able to serve my customers 
at higher capacities. I want to make higher level sales. I want to engage in bigger, more important deals. I want to have more personal freedom. I want to do 10 million tropical MBAs and allow 10 million people to, to live the lifestyle of their dreams. You know what I mean? Like these are 100% lifestyle goals that, you know, through which our, the business is just a vehicle to get to them. And, uh, it's the interface, you know? Yeah. I just want more Twitter friends. I mean, <laughs> I got 32, man. I look at your list and I just think, wow, what am I doing wrong? You know? Well, it's just got to hang out, man. You got to hang out and interact with the tweeps. This shit's fun. It's really fun. You know, if, if you don't think it's fun, man, don't force it. Because you're going to be out there forcing, forcing it. it. I can always tell somebody on Twitter who's just forcing it. It's like a, you know, it's a, a lackluster tweet, uh, a dispassionate tweet. It's no good, man. You got to be right, out man, there with well, passion. Passionate. Anybody's tweets. got any advice about how I can, how I can boost my confidence and 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 get some friends, man? Let me know. <laughs> One quick thing. I want to give a quick tip at the end of the episode here. I was talking to my friend the other day, and he was stuck in a rut. And we were talking about, you know, what are the best ways to to get out of a rut? And there's there's different things like in the short term. I'm not talking about a short-term rut, and there's a lot of things you can do, like 20 push-ups or, you know, cold shower. But I'm talking about a long-term rut. You know, what if you what if you feel like your life is going the wrong direction? I know this is a, this is a whole freaking episode, but I want to just I want to just put this little piece of icing here at the end. We decided on two things. One, figure out and visualize specifically what your ideal day looks like. And the critical thing here is the same thing with these revenue numbers. Don't make excuses for yourself and don't assume you're a certain kind of person or another and go hog wild with it. Write down exactly what you want. Assuming you've got no burdens, no cost, no nothing. You can just write down exactly what you want, what your heart's desire is. Here's the important thing. That's not good enough because that alone isn't going to get you there. You also need to visualize that day with five hours of work in it, at least. Five good, passionate hours of work. I think this is the critical thing. Because, and the re- I'll tell you the reason I chose five hours, Ian. The reason is, is that if you've got a job right now, you've got five hours to spare every single day. Every yep. single day, you've got five hours to spare. I don't care if you've got eight kids and ten lawns. You can figure it out. You're very smart. If you've managed to find this podcast at the bottom of the iTunes heap, you can figure this stuff out. That's why I chose five hours. So you need two things if you want to get out of a long-term rut. The vision of what your exact lifestyle looks like in a pedestrian sense, in an everyday kind of way, not like, I want to go to Dubai on a private jet for uh, you know, a week or something. But like, what happens not a, when you Not wake- a short-term goal, a, a real sustainable everyday goal. Right? Yeah. What do your friends look like? What do they talk about? What do you do when you first wake up? What do you eat? What kinds of things do you do? You absolutely must have work in there. Five hours at least. And the reason is is that you need to you need to build value. You know, you need to build value if you're going to be able, you know, to get the things in life that you want. And you you can't do that by just kind of hanging around. You actually have to build it. Work in the five hours. You know, it's fair and fair and good enough to visualize your, your, to your heart's content. But if you can find your five hours and you look at that five hours and you're like, that would be fun work, just start working. Just start doing it. If that's writing a blog, just start writing. It'll lead to stuff. If that's uh, 
painting your pictures, start painting. It'll lead to stuff. If it's writing songs, start writing. It'll lead to stuff. I, trust me, people that write songs every day for five hours a day for one year straight, they're professional musicians. That's what happens. You know, They're not people sitting around strumming a G chord, wondering where it all went. You know, Actually, Ian, I, I'm such a rambler. I'm such a rambler. Just uh, apologies to the person who edits this podcast. It's not me. Um, you know, I used to think that I wanted to be a songwriter when I was in college because I looked at songwriters and I thought, wow, they're the most free guys on the planet. I envied that. I envied the fact that he's in Minneapolis one night and Los Angeles the next and meeting new people and all this stuff. And I was like, that's the ideal lifestyle. Yeah. I had a similar vision and we've talked about it before. And the, the thing that, the problem for me, Ian, was the five hours. I didn't, I could, in that, I could visualize myself in that lifestyle, like meeting a new person every day and play my guitar in front of 200 people every night and all that. But I actually couldn't come up with the five hours that I enjoyed. I don't like writing songs enough to do it five hours every day. I just don't like it. It, uh, it makes me feel stupid. I'm not very good at it. Um, it's too hard. Like, I just don't... I'm not made to write songs every day for five hours. And therefore, I, can, I can't be a songwriter. I can't make a lot of value for the world that way. My suggestion to everyone on this, you know, this podcast is if you feel like you're stuck in a rut... Find your five hours. Just find your five hours, and you're gonna you're, you just get started. Absolutely, it's gonna take some work. I mean, I think it's it's always gonna take some work. It doesn't so. feel like work, you know. Uh, the stuff that we do, our little podcasts and our business and our creative ideas and our traveling and all this stuff. I mean, it's awesome, isn't it? Uh, that's my five hours, man. And it's it's it can be a lot more too because I love it so much. Oh yeah, it's definitely more. <laughs> All right, Ian, thanks for giving me a ring today. I'll see you tomorrow. Talk to you then. Hey, everybody, thanks for listening. Don't be shy. We've got a mailing list, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Go there, get yourself signed up, and we'll keep you up to date on everything.